Good evening, everyone, and welcome. Uh, my name is Ron Tolfrey, and I'm the missions director here at Christ Community Church. And just what a blessing it is to, to be able to come up here and spend some time. And uh, I put on Facebook earlier today that I'm probably, you know, I've spoken in Pakistan and South Africa, and I'm probably more nervous tonight than I was at any of those places. And maybe it's because they don't speak English, so. <laughs> but I hope you bear with me, and tonight um, I'll be talking about the return of Christ. Um, but before I do, I want to put a plug in for Discipleship Institute. I know Pastor Tim mentioned it. It's a fabulous course, and I highly recommend it, even if you only pick out certain courses to attend. Um, once you get in there, you're going to want to do more. So I, I highly recommend it. If anybody hasn't gone into one of those courses, either Word or Spirit Studies, just a fantastic course, and I, I, instructors are, are great. So I, I encourage that. Uh, well, let's open in prayer. Father God, we thank you for the privilege to speak tonight on your behalf, Lord, and I just pray that the words that you have given me over the last few days are, are the words that, that need to be heard, are the words that need to be shared, and I ask that I do justice to them, Lord, to your words, that they're, they're so holy, and I just, I just pray that how I deliver them is, is heartfelt and, and it's taken in, Lord, and it's understood, and it's the words that you wish to, to be heard. So we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So we're talking tonight about the preparing for Christ's return, and what a topic. I mean, how can you possibly prepare for that? Um, just getting ready today, preparing to come to church tonight, you know, some of us may have taken like 10 minutes to get ready. That's me just change shirt and freshen up a bit. Uh, others a bit longer, like my wife, a little bit longer. But we all got ready prepared to come tonight. And so everything we do in our lives, we prepare things for. Um, but how do you prepare for the return of Jesus Christ? I mean, what can possibly you consider when it's happening? I mean, we've basically been preparing for this for over 2,000 years. And it's right around the corner. Right around, nobody knows when it's going to happen. It could happen at any moment. But we're preparing. Constantly we're preparing. But hopefully we're preparing, because some people may not be. It may be one of those things that people, oh yeah, well, it's not going to happen now. This is going to happen first, and this is going to happen, and this is going to happen. And it's going to be a long way off before it really does happen. So I can put it off type thing. But we never know what's going to happen and when it's going to happen. So how do we prepare? I mean, we prepare in different ways how we do things. Um, just a couple examples. This is how some people are preparing for things to come. You have the Prepper's Long-Term Survival Guide. In fact, you are a website you can go to. You can buy missile silos and convert them into homes. So you're prepared for any apocalypse or anything that happens, a zombie invasion or whatever. You're thinking it's going to happen, the collapse of the governments, whatever, but they actually have them for sale. And then you have the people that are going to arm themselves. They're going to protect what's theirs. And if they don't have anything, they're going to take it from somebody else. If you ever watch a show, and I, I watch um, The Walking Dead, it's kind of a weird show, but it really shows how people's mind works in that situation. That's why I watch it, because it shows how some people take control and help out each other, and other people just take from each other. So some people do that, and other people, I mean, they're not going to have a clue. They'll be sitting in the room with their, their tinfoil in their heads expecting whatever. They, they're not going to know. 
But we prepare in different ways. And it, we prepare in a way that we're prepared and how we're taught and what we learn. Imagine you have somebody come to your house, a friend of yours or a relative or whatever. If our friends are coming over to visit, you know them pretty well and you can, you can understand who they are and they, they know they've been to your house before. So you tidy up the room they're going to be in and maybe the kitchen, the bathroom, but the other rooms you kind of close the door. You know, well, they're not going to look in there, so they don't have to see that. And you welcome them in, and they, you know, they don't care if there's a little dust here or there, or, and that, that kind of thing, or dirty clothes around, because they know you and they're a friend. But they always have those friends or that relative that comes over, and they're the ones you've got to clean the whole house for. You know, Aunt Mildred, Aunt Maud, she'll come over, and she go, boy, those spiders, they sure are quick making those webs, aren't they? Or she sees this little dust ball in the corner. She goes, oh, that reminds me of my trip to Wyoming. Is all the, the tumbleweeds going across. And they'll notice everything in your house. Every, every, you know, pick out anything that's wrong, and they'll notice it. So when they come over, you really have to go out of your way and really prepare your house for, their, for them to visit. But we're not talking about your friend coming over or a relative coming over. We're talking about the return of Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. How can you possibly prepare for that? What can we possibly do to make things good enough? You know, a while back we had Pastor Nazir here from Pakistan, and he stayed at our home for about two weeks. I live in a four-bedroom house, but over the years our children have moved out. Our grandkids have grown. We have one grandson that lives in California. The other ones that live closer, they're involved in their equestrian and track and everything else, so... They don't spend much time over at Nana Papa's house anymore. So our house, our four-bedroom house has turned into a one-bedroom house. And we have our bedroom, then we have our TV room slash dog kennel room, where the dog sleeps. And then we have my office slash missions department storage room. And then we have that one room that is always in somebody, everybody's house that, well, where does this go? Well, I'll put the room on top of the stairs. So we have one of those. And so when we knew Pastor Nazir was coming, we had to put a list together. Okay, we've got to get things done because we're going to be entertaining. He's going to be here for, for 10 days or so. And so we have to get th- certain things done to prepare another room for the house, everything else. We started putting together a list. Volume 1. And we're thinking all these things we need to do before he comes. And that's just for a visit of a friend for a short period of time. But when Jesus comes back and when he's returning... He's not looking at the cobwebs in our house. He's not looking at the dust rolling on the floor, the dirty corners we may have. He doesn't care about any of that. Because what he's looking at is our hearts and our souls. He's looking at our house, the house that we have inside of us. And that's what we need to prepare for. The house in the world that we live in, it doesn't matter. That'll be gone. But we have to worry about our house, our own home. So that's what he's going to be looking at. Luke chapter 12 says, Be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning like servants, waiting for the masters to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It talks about being dressed and ready. Well, like I said, it's not dressed and ready in your finest clothes to accept the king into your home. It's talking about keeping your soul ready, keep your heart ready, keep yourself ready spiritually. 
And if we do that, we sit and we study, we know his word. We study his word so we know everything there is to know about the coming, about when he's coming back and anything else and what we have to put into that, what we have to do in the meantime. Because there's so much work that needs to be done. And many of us go day to day and our lives are so busy here, we're so involved in lives and what we're doing, we forget about the eternity that we're facing and how we have to prepare for that. So we have to look and keep ourselves dressed and ready, keeping ourselves pure, keeping ourselves in godly thoughts. Talks about keeping the lamps burning. It's not just keeping the lamps in your house burning, that type of thing, keeping the light on when somebody's out. But it's keeping God's love, keeping him always burning in your heart, keeping his light always visible, always, vis- always there, always in your mind, always in your heart. I mean, imagine when something happens in your home and the power goes out. It's not the time you want to be fumbling for matches, to finding matches, to light the fire again. You know, so because we don't know when God's returning, when Jesus is coming back, you can't say, well, okay, I'm going to read, I'll do this now and I'll be ready then. I'll be ready then. Because that time comes and that door opens and there he is. Your fire is out. It's too late. You've let the embers go because you've been so busy with your life, so busy with everything else you're doing that the embers of your life have gone out. The embers of your love for Christ, your knowledge, your, your spirit, your soul has just found its way in other areas. It's been diverted. Following what he has told us to do. I mean, he's given us quite a manual here, a how-to book. I mean, everything you need to know on how to repair is between the two covers. It's just taking the time and reading it. I mean, we look at when your kids are growing up, you get those toys and it's fold the big thing out and it's A and B and part 32 and everything else. And we think how much frustration we have putting those things together. This is very plain. It's very plain English about this is what you need to do. This is what's going to happen. This is what to expect. This is what your life needs to be like. This is your guidebook. This is your instruction book. But how many times do we sit there and, I'm going to read today, but, man, I've got to get to the store. I have to do this. The kids are playing soccer. Whatever it is, and it's not on the first thing of our list in the morning or at night or whatever. We're not thinking about it in the daytime. We're on the phone talking to friends. We're doing something else. But everybody has their time, and that's what's so important to have that time, to, to have that time preparing thinking about what's happening. But the thing about Christ and his return date is that we don't know when it's going to happen. And they've been saying this, you know, for 2,000 years, like I've mentioned. And every generation that comes by, this is the generation. This is when it's going to happen. They see things happening in the world and say, oh, this is happening, this is happening. It must be now. This must be the time. We'll be ready. Be ready. Time goes past. You have all those false teachers that come up and they actually give you dates. This is the date of Christ's return. And everybody waits. The date goes past. Doesn't happen. Nobody's going to know. Nobody knows. In fact, the Bible says in Mark, but what about the day or hour? No one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. Imagine that. All creation, there's only one individual that knows when it's happening, and that's God. Imagine like a father goes home to his kids, young kids, and he goes, hey kids, we're going to go to Disney World. 
and they're, yeah, yeah. When, when, when are we going? Well, I'm not going to tell you. But you better be ready because we could go at any time. And the kids are there waiting. I mean, imagine that, going through that. How, and they make them wait a week, two weeks, three weeks. The anticipation, how much are they going to keep interested in everything else? Well, that's the same boat we're in. Father says he's coming back. We don't know when, but be ready. Even the angels don't know. Even Christ himself doesn't know. Only the Father knows. Imagine in heaven, there they are. They got everything ready to go. Bags are packed. White horses all cleaned up. Hooves are all polished up, everything ready to go. The mane's all nice. He's waiting. He's waiting there. The angels are ready. Ready to go. As soon as the call happens, they're going. Trumpeters, they're polishing their trumpets. They're ready to practice it and everything else. They're waiting. Ready? We're ready. Go over. Is the time yet? No. Now? No. Okay, now. 2,000 years. Waiting. Waiting. Imagine, I mean, they're going to be ready to go. I mean, I, I would think that if you were going to be coming back here leading this and everything else, you've got to be anxious too. But many are calling now here on earth. They call. Christ, oh Lord, come back now. Please come back now. They look at things happening in the earth, in the world, how bad things are, the wars, the famine, all the destruction going on, all the hatred going on. They're saying, oh Lord, please come back now. And they, just, they begged for it over and over and over. Please come back now. But is our job done here? Have we done everything we're supposed to do? Are we all prepared? You know, Jesus told us to make disciples of all nations. All nations. Have you reached everyone? Has every person been reached with the word of God? Even look at your own lives. Are your family and your friends, are they all knowledgeable about God? Are they all saved? Are they all ready to go with you? Or are you just hoping he comes back and you go, sorry, missed the boat, we'll see ya. I mean, I know I have family members, I, they're still not saved. I pray every day that somehow they're touched somewhere. We've had some great miracles in our home. Um, our grandson, his parents are non-believers. He lives in California. We prayed for years that he would get to church. He met a young lady there. They got married. And he, goes, he lives in Carmichael, California, and he attends Christ Community Church <laughs> in California. Um, our son lives out in Pinckney. He and his family prayed for them. Find a church. Please find a church. Well, some friend of theirs invited them to a church because they had a really nice Christmas show. It was really good. So they went with them to the Christmas show this last year. They've been attending church every Sunday since. Grandkids are in, in, in classes now. Our son's doing a Bible school now. So it's amazing that we still have people here that we need to pray for and that we're not going to be done until they are saved. Yes, you know, living in God's glory would be wonderful. I mean, it's inimaginable how wonderful that would be every day to be, be able to live in that kind of place, that kind of world. We're just glorifying God every day where nothing is, is forsaken, nothing is lost, nothing is, is forsaken. Everything is just wonderful. But what about the millions who have never heard, who have never even heard the name of Jesus Christ, let alone heard the gospel? I mean, I, for one, being involved in missions and in traveling around, you know, we see the people there, 
And once they hear that, once they make that connection, boy, they just change. Their, their hearts have changed. Their lives are changed. And there are millions of more people like that. I mean, right now in the Middle East, there are huge explosions of Christianity happening in Iran, in places that we don't hear about. But they are getting things. They're getting visions. They're getting, you know, visitations, whatever it is. They're getting, they're getting words. And there are just explosions of what's happening in these countries. So we say, well, come back now, come back now. I'd rather wait and get a lot more people on board. What about completing the Great Commission? I mean, that's what we were ordered to do. And so I'd like to see that completed before, you know, we go. Believe me, it would be great to, to, to do that, but I think that there are so many more people that once they hear the word, and once they're introduced to the gospel, they're just going to just be on fire, and it's going to be just some more explosions. But in James it says, Be patient, then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield his valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm, because the Lord is coming near. So we must wait. We must be patient, however long it takes. It may be two or three generations from now. It may be next week. We don't know. So we have to be patient. We can't expect things to happen on our time. And it's hard. It's hard to wait. You know, remember when you were a kid at Christmas time? You watched that calendar and you kept checking off days of Christmas or your birthday and you knew exactly when it was going to happen and you just, you know, every day you, your anticipation built higher and higher and it got closer and if you were really good, you'd go and sneak and open the packages and kind of see what it was because you couldn't wait any longer. And the day got there and you were just overjoyed. But we don't have that. We don't know when it is. When the farmer picking his crops. What happens when they pick their crops too soon? They're not ripe, they're bitter, they're sour, whatever theirs. You know, it's a wasted crop. So he waits. He waits for the timing to be right until they're ripe to be picked. That's what God's doing. He's waiting for us to be ripe, to be picked. He doesn't want to pick us too soon because he knows if I pick too soon, there's huge fields that haven't grown to their full growth yet, that haven't been developed yet. They haven't been cultivated yet. He sees that and he waits. He knows as he watches everything. He sees what happens to happen and he knows the exact time and that exact day. Looking ahead, he knows when it's going to be. Remember when you were at home and you have any cook bakers in your house and you smelled that apple pie? When it's just starting to smell that aroma of the apple, it says it's getting warmer, starts to cook in that cinnamon smell. I love cinnamon apple pie, but when that cinnamon smell starts to come through the house and everything else. Well, if somebody went in there early and started to eat that apple pie, man, they can taste the dough not finished, inside's going to be raw. It's not time for that. It's got the aroma. It's, you, have it, you smell it. You can taste it in your nose, but it's not ready to be eaten yet. So we must wait on God's timing. Because he has things prepared that he's preparing in every area of the world, every country, in every person. He's, he's preparing things. So until his job is finished, we wait and we have to be patient. Because only he knows when it's done, when the time is ready. When he goes, okay, that's the last person, 
in the last corner of the earth that we need to reach. Now is the time. But until then, we wait. But we're warned about many things that are going to happen, and I won't even get into all the tribulation things and all those things that we're going to have to live through, that many will have to live through, because it's just it's un- unimaginable how that is going to affect people and how things are going to change so drastically and how many people are going to turn to the Lord and away from the Lord during those times. And so all those things, not even talking about those, but there's so many other things that we need to be ready for. But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the people who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. Don't we see this happening already? People are just doing what they want. There's little groups over here, little groups over there. Just, if it feels good, do it. I mean, it's going back to the 60s theme. And it's getting worse and worse. There are so many different things. Just recently, I know Pastor Tim was talking about it earlier, I was in the hallway, about the satanic stature going in downtown Detroit. And it's just, you'll have groups down there and everything else happening with that. And it's just spreading out. So, you know, and if you speak against it as a Christian, you stand against something and you, you stand up, you know, this isn't right, godly. You're the one that's a bigot. You're the one that's a hater. You're the one that's not understanding. You're the one that's not compassionate. You're, you're violating their rights. Well, it needs to come a time in, in the Christian kingdom that we have to worry about our rights. And we have to stand for our rights because this is what God expressed of us. I mean, we're all cowering back. You know, I, it's amazing when you go to countries like Pakistan and they, they march through the streets in the Muslim communities with big crosses drums going, singing Christian songs, candles, waving the, the, um, the palm leaves and that. And they do this boldly. Well, that's why we need to be here. We need to be bold here. And things are going to be hard. They're going to get very hard. And they're going to get harder, as they already are. There's more and more things coming against churches here about all the gay weddings things that are happening and how pastors are going to react to that. You're getting, you know, people, bakers being sued because they weren't, won't cook a cake for a gay couple. You know, I guess there aren't any gay bakers, but, but you look at what's happening and how we're just being pushed and pushed and pushed. You know, I, I, there was a, a Confederate flag thing going on, and a guy went into a, a baker, and he wanted a Confederate flag cake, and they said, no, we won't do that. So he went back with an ISIS flag cake, and they did that. I mean, that's what's happening in this country because everything is so correct and everything else. We're so careful what we say. And as Christians, we are right at the front. You know, you're just not allowed to have Christian pride. But these things that God's looking at and he's wondering, okay, rise up, church. Let's go. So we need to remain strong because things are going to get harder. You looked about the, the persecuted Christians around the world all the suffering that they have, everything they have to go through. You know, there's pastors in China that are, are put in prisons and they're beaten and they're tortured. And, I mean, everything bad they can do to them will happen to them. They'll put the, the pastors in a figure, okay, what's the worst job I could possibly give this person? Well, they'll make them clean the latrines. But they don't pray that the beatings will stop, that the persecution will stop, that the, 
the rough interrogations, they don't pray that that'll stop. What they pray for is that they'll never lose their faith in God. When, when he's in the bottom of the pit toilet, that's his time to pray. That's his sanctuary. Because he knows when he's down there, he won't be beaten, he won't be yelled at, abused. That's his time to communicate with God. And they finally look at, in most countries where they have the harshest persecution of Christians, Christianity is growing the most. Because people see that, they see the love of Christ in these areas, and that's what they, they draw on towards. They look for that. So we have to keep remaining strong in the faith. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. So build yourself up praying in the Holy Spirit. Last Sunday I was here for second service. And boy, the Spirit was just thick in this room that day. I mean, you could just feel it. If some days you come in and it's like, well, that was good, you know. But there are other days you come in and uh, the worship just takes over and you can just feel, I mean, you know, your throat starts to thicken up and that and you know, the tears well up in your eyes because you can just feel the emotions taking over. Well, last Sunday, second service, you know, I, we bounced back, but second service was just one of those Sundays. And you can really feel that. And those are just wonderful days. I mean, I really love those days because, you know, the message is kind of, okay, but you just felt that spirit. What happened in that, in that room? You know, there's certain, there's certain songs that may happen to people that way, or just certain words, something that's spoken. And it's just like, boy, that's the knife, the arrow got right into my heart on that one. It's really what I needed to hear, what I needed to see. And so that's what we need to do. We keep praying in the Holy Spirit because what a guide that is, the Holy Spirit. I mean, if you just, how many times are we doing something and they got that Holy Spirit going, oh, no, no, no. And you're going to, but what a guide. If we just follow that guide. There are so many cases that we hear, we just talk to people about how they were doing something. They made a decision to go this way or go that way. They just felt that that was right. And they got them out of trouble. I mean, you ever talk to the Chinese Bible smugglers? I mean, they're going to tell you stories, story after story about how God led them to get through with the Bibles, to get this or whatever it is. I mean, just amazing, amazing stories. And it's so important that we do share these because some people, you know, you have that strong faith if you do and you know the Spirit talks to you and you, you have a good, uh, good heart for that and you hear it. Other people are on that fence. Well, yeah, I never really hear it. I mean, I was, I was one of those that, I remember the first time I went to Pakistan, um, and Dee's going, no. Pakistan? No. I've been going on. This is right at the height of Taliban and everything else. And as I heard a song come on the radio on the station, and it was a song about going. And so I'm, as I'm driving, it's one of my prayer times. I'm praying about things. And I changed the radio station. The exact same song came on about going. So I'm thinking, okay, this is an, I like this song. It's by a group called Down Under. Changed to a third Christian station. Same song came on again. So me not hearing too well the Spirit, I said, Lord, if this is really you, I mean, I'm the type I need to hit me with a two-by-four so I get your attention. Turn the station again, and the song was um, the voice of truth saying, do not be afraid. That song came on. Went home and told Dee the story. She goes, okay, you're going to Pakistan. So since then, I've kind of like been able to tune a little bit more and got the, the channels working right, but 
There are a lot of people that just don't know. They don't, when they hear something, is that me or is that the Spirit? And the more we pray, the more we, we just ask for that blessing to hear the Spirit, the clearer that voice becomes. And it's one thing great about mission trips. If you haven't been on a mission trip, please go. Because you, in that two-week period you're gone on that mission trip, you are just a pipeline to God. Because that's all you're focused on. You don't have worried about work or phone calls or TV shows or anything else. All you're focused on is God. So for that two-week period, it's just an open pipeline. And really, you can really feel a difference. Bring you to eternal life. Christ will do that. Imagine eternal life. Eternity. I mean, it's, I'm trying to think of describe the galaxy to us. You know, it's, you can't fathom that. How long is eternity? And you think, okay, how long it is? Well, it's like double that. It's a hundred times that. It's a thousand times that. You can't believe how long that would be. And what are you going to do in eternity? One thing. Just worship God. Never have a care. Never have a worry about anything. Have that one thing to do for eternity. I mean, we can't fathom that at this point. Because we're going through lives that are just all broken up. Car's broken down, dishwasher's not working, kids are failing school, whatever it is. We're all worried about this, but we can't even fathom eternity in the presence of God. So what do we do? You know, and one of the big things is how we act towards each other. And it's so important because as things get harder and things get more dangerous in the world, people are going to start reacting differently. And you'll see brother turn against brother. You'll see people stealing food, People, look at what happens in these cities that have the riots in Baltimore or whatever. I mean, order was, you know, chaos and, you know, police were out, you know, standing by and people did what they wanted. Well, that's what's going to happen when things start getting tight and things start getting hard to find food. You look, even look at when we have storms now. People rush to the store, they buy everything they can. Buy the dog food. We don't have a dog. Yeah, but buy it anyway. We may have to eat that someday. I mean, this company now, they will sell you food, has a shelf life of 25 years. In fact, I actually ordered a free sample and we tried it. <laughs> a little salty. But they're selling these things and you can buy them. Like I said, I mentioned earlier about the, the bomb shelters you can buy. So, I mean, but how we act towards each other will separate the Christians from everybody else. Because if Christians, if you have God in your heart, you know how to treat people. You should. And so that's what Jesus tells us. And First Peter says, The end of all things is near. Therefore be alert in a sober mind so that you may pray. And that's the thing we constantly pray. A constant state of prayer. So what do we pray for? During this whole time we're waiting. Day in, day out. What do we pray for? We pray for each other to remain strong. We pray for those that are in situations that they maintain their faith. We pray for those unreached around the world that somehow, some way, they're going to have the word spoken to them. They're going to hear about Jesus from somebody, some way, either through a vision, a dream, whatever it is, or somebody's going to walk into the village one day with the Bible and start telling stories. We say for those unsaved people that maybe we know that as you plant seeds and other seeds are planted and watered and everything else, that someday that spark lights in that person, in their heart, in their mind, and they come to the realization of what 
you know already. We pray for the fallen people, the people that have backslidden, that they regain their faith in Christ. Because so many people have been Christians and they've, they've, they've gone through tough times, you know, either in their lives or maybe they had a bad situation at a church or whatever it is and they've walked away. You know, we have to continue to pray for these people because they've seen the word, they've seen the, the truth and everything else, but they've been swayed for some reason or other. So we have to continue to pray for them that they come back into the church, regardless of where they are, here, somewhere else, whatever, but go and get the, the good word. We pray for you know, our government officials. What, what a time to go through. You know, I don't care who's in power, doesn't matter. We still pray for them. We pray that the decisions they make that affect millions of people in this country are godly decisions, are decisions that are based on goodness and helping people and that type of thing. So we pray for them, regardless of who it is. It doesn't matter. We pray for them locally, statewide, federal governments, whatever. Pray for governments around the world. You know, one of the biggest prayers I have was in China. When I used to smuggle Bibles into China, I would pray that the Bible I'd carry through would get to one person in some remote village who would become a Christian, read that Bible, and he would grow up to be a government official. And that would be the person that opens the doors in China for Christianity to be above board and not have to have all the secret churches everywhere. So that was my prayer, going back and forth to China all those trips. So pray for, pray for foreign governments, because so much can be done through prayer. Pray for our pastors. I mean, you have to realize what pastors go through now. I mean, and things are getting more and more. I mean, I can envision a time where they're going to have script readers. or Okay, what's your sermon on this week? Uh, we better dice this down a little bit. You're talking about what? Oh, no, no, no. No. I mean, that's what happens in China now, in the government churches. They're told, okay, this is your guidelines. You can't talk about this, this, or this. You can talk about anything here, but you can't talk about anything on this list. That's coming here. That's what pastors are going to have to go through. You know, imagine if, if a couple comes through, a, a gay couple, we want to get married here. You know, and they're going to start making a big stink about things. Well, why won't you marry us? Government says you have to. That's what pastors are going to be going through. That and more and more and more on top of that. So pray for the pastors, regardless of what all churches. Just pray for pastors because their lives are going to be under a magnifying glass before too long. Pray for those that persecute you. I mean, as you go around places, people look at you, oh, Christian, this and that, and you get the looks, whatever. Pray for these people, because they don't know. You know, they're living their lives. They think, oh, look at this person. Well, you know, what do they know, and type thing. Pray for them. I mean, that's a big thing, story you hear about people that are being persecuted in countries. They pray for their captors. They pray for the people that have persecuted them. There's a lady that I met through Voice of the Martyrs, she was in the Philippines. And she was captured by the rebels there, and her husband was killed during an attack. And there are several stories about the people being captured by people, injured, killed, whatever, and they've gone back and they've pastored to the same people in prison a short time later. And actually, people have become Christians that they were, had met on the road and were trying to kill them type thing. And we've heard story after story after story about that how people's lives have changed, just some contact from that, that touch, that voice of God that comes through you, that contact that you make with people, that just showing them the love of God that you have 
And just without saying a word, just demonstrating that time and time again. There's a, there's a gentleman that we knew in, in um, China, and every time we smuggled, he was a, a long-time worker there, and every time we went across the border, he sometimes got caught. And there shouldn't be one um, guard at the corner. We call him Yao Ming because he's a real tall Chinese guy. And he would start picking out. This man was named Craig. And he'd pick him out. Passport. Take his Bibles. Send him into China. He had to pay to get him back. And every time he got in line and Yao Ming was there, he'd call him aside. And he'd say, what are you doing? What, are you, what is this? Good books. Would you like one? And he just spoke kindness. He spoke God's love to this, this uh, customs agent at the border. And this went on for several months. This would happen. And every time he just spoke kindly, offered him a Bible, that type of thing. Well, it got to the point where Craig would be going across the border, and he'd see the guard there, and the guard would turn away. He would walk away from him, like do something else at the desk. Craig would go through with the giant with his Bibles. And this happened for a while. Then one day, Craig was going to the border. Yao Ming was there. Call him aside, and Craig's going, oh no. Caught again. And as he walked up, Yao Ming was crying. He says, I read your book. I'm a Christian. But this happened over like a year span because Craig just constantly prayed. Every time he crossed, he prayed for the customs agents. Love each other. Uh, above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. And it does. We always hear the expression... Love the sinner, hate the sin. It's so true. You love the person. And that's what we need to continue showing as we prepare and as we get ready, is keep loving people. Not just our friends or family, the people we like, people that are nice, they're easy to love. I mean, sometimes you have to love them because they're family. And not just good people, because you don't want to touch you know, the bad people, they're, they're hard to love, you, know, you don't want to get too close to them type thing. Everyone. Christian non-Christian, everyone. Even if you don't you have to go up to them and say, you know, hug them and say, well, God loves you, whatever. But just be kind. Show God's love through your actions. You don't have to say anything. I know when you, we travel and we were in Pakistan, you would see the Muslim women that have the, the, the head scarves on. All you saw were the eyes. And all you did is look and smile. And you could see a change in their eyes because they smiled back. You couldn't see their smile, but you could see the eye smile. And all it is is just a smile, acknowledging them. And it's so important that, regardless of who it is, that we spend that time and acknowledge people. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. I mean, this is going to be so required as things get worse in this country and around the world. Some people may have to open up their homes, accept people in, share their food, share what they have type thing. Because things are going to get happening and going to get bad and going to get worse. So we need to do that, is to share what we have, share our love the same way. There's old stories about, you know, they had the beggar come to the door and people turned away, turned away, turned away. And it turned out it was Christ came to the door like three times. I can't remember the whole story, but it was actually Christ that came to the door and these people turned him away because they didn't, they didn't know them. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms. And God has so blessed us with gifts. 
And we may not have them all, but everybody has some. You may not know it yet, but they're there. And you have to open them and expound on them and search them out and let them grow inside you. So if God has given you gifts, use them. I mean, what good is it if you have the gift of healing and you never use it? Or the gift of prophecy and you never use it? So use the gifts God has given you because they're such glorious gifts. And it does so much. Because the gift that you have and you sharing, that's going to build up somebody else's faith by seeing your gifts. I remember the first time I heard tongues. We went to a church of a friend of ours. And I'm going... Yeah, right. They'd go on talking. I'm going, yeah, okay. Well, then what happened with the people we were with, her husband spoke in tongues. Well, I knew him. And I knew that he was not the kind of guy that would come up with these words. He had a kind of a drawl to him, kind of a country boy and everything else. And, but I knew that it wasn't him. It was the Spirit. And so, I mean, just hearing that increased my faith. It gave me the belief that, okay, this does, this is true. So the gifts that you've been given, gift of wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, gift of miracles, prophecy, discerning spirits. How important is that gift going to be when we start having all these false teachers coming out and everything else? That gift is discerning spirits. It's either to say, look at a person and say, no, this is not true. Gift of tongues, interpretation, administration, and helps. I mean, how important is every one of these things going to be? And if we have them, we need to open them to expand them. So the big question is, Bride, are you ready? Are you ready for what happens tomorrow, if it happens then? Or if it happens 10 years from now, are you still going to be ready? And it's not just, okay, I'm ready now. Anytime, I can wait. No, you can always better prepare. You know, every, every training, military, whatever, they don't just stop when they're trained. Musicians, they don't stop when they learn how to play an instrument. They continue to train, continue to practice, to get better, to be better prepared. So this is close in prayer. Father God, we just thank you for just a glorious time, Lord.